We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a special edition of Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson. Jim Margulis, unfortunately, uh, isn't able to join us, and uh, he has the night off. And boy, did he pick a night to take off as we are currently streaming this on November 28th, 2021. And the deadline that we have all been dreading as those that cover the game and cover the White Sox and just being baseball fans, the CBA expiring on December 1st at 11 p.m. Central Time uh, has created this type of de facto deadline in the offseason and has spurred tremendous free agent and trade and off-season activity that we have never seen before in the month of November for Major League Baseball. And it has really created this sense of chaos as it's hard to keep up with all of the news. So joining me, I figured, well, if Jim's not around, I got to invite the people I usually talk to privately as my friends when these news, when the news does drop. Uh, from the 108s, our very good friends, it is Beef Loaf and Cherizy. Beef Loaf, Cherizy, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be here. Um, I'm excited to talk uh, baseball with you once again. I mean, uh, we talked some last night. I won't have as many Manhattans as I did last night. but <laughs> They look uh, good. <laughs> they were delicious. A little too delicious, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, excited to be talking to you guys i'm not so excited about the content so <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a minute uh, josh I'm, I'm i'm great as well i know i realized that you decided to switch this from a twitter spaces to youtube because of how handsome treasy and i are we respect that course. decision we think that's a great idea i agree on the content and i love talking to you guys about off-season stuff because your brains are a little more expansive on this than mine and you always catch some stuff i didn't I'm going to play the simpleton role, and I look forward to doing so with you guys. Well, unfortunately, our podcast listeners cannot see just how handsome you both are. But podcast <laughs> listeners, trust me when I say this, they are very handsome. That's All right. Given. So <laughs> this show's theme. And uh, I'm sorry for being loosey-goosey, especially for our podcast listeners, because by the time most of you listen to this episode, uh, which is probably going to be for most of you Monday, November 29th, there's going to be other breaking news that happens and that we didn't get a chance to cover it. But this off season and these last couple of weeks and just the days after Thanksgiving, the hot stove is on fire right now for Major League Baseball. We are seeing activity that's usually reserved for the winter meetings. Cherizi, has this surprised you with how many signings we have seen, especially in the last 48 hours in Major League Baseball? It was it was definitely not what I thought would happen uh, when we were getting, you know, into the offseason. I kind of thought it would be slow, especially the bigger guys. I thought the bigger guys would move slower. Um, 
as we started getting into it and you started just hearing from a lot of different sources uh, on Twitter and on on uh, you know anywhere else you get your your information it seemed like all kinds of guys were saying I'm going to sign before this happens before the possibility of of a lockout I'm going to sign with a team which I thought was going to be reserved for guys that like just definitely wanted to make sure they had something locked up um I was not expecting guys like Marcus Semien, Kevin Gossman to to be off the market today. I was I was definitely not looking at looking at it going, yeah, that's gonna happen. How about you, Beef? Are you are you surprised on how much activity we've seen so far? I think I'm only surprised with about the last six hours worth. As it seems like it's everyone's trying to get in their last sins before New Year's, and then they got to make their New Year's resolutions, and and they can't do any bad things anymore. That's what it feels like, kind of right now, heading to this deadline. But before that, I kind of thought the off season would play out like a normal off season, however, a little bit faster. And the reason why I thought that is looking from the GM's perspective. You know, the GMs usually have to work these four months solid. Yep. But let's say in the middle of that four months, they're going to get a two month vacation. They don't want to save all the work for the end right there, right before you're going to start spring training. So it makes sense that they would have pushed a bunch of it to this point. And I agree with Tracy. I thought I, I thought for sure none of the real big guys would sign. And so maybe Marcus Simeon, maybe Marcus Simeon's contract isn't one of the real big guys, Treasy. Maybe that, that'll become the realization of what we find out here is that he's just one of the, you know, the upper, the upper middle class basically of this group and isn't going to be one of the, the real outsized payments. But yeah, uh, the last six hours have been a lot of fun. I hope it continues like this uh, as we creep up uh, to December 1st. Yeah, and uh, again, I'm going to try to stay on task here. And for the podcast listeners who may comment, well, this is not as polished of an episode that I'm usually used to at the Sox Machine podcast is because I'm keeping one eye on Twitter right now and I have notifications <laughs> popping up from Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan and Bob Nightingale and John Heyman. If there is breaking news that happens as we are recording and streaming this episode, uh, we'll share it. So I'm expecting something to happen in the next 30 to 45 minutes while we talk about what has been going on in Major League Baseball. And you guys have alluded to it, so let's let's chime in on the big signing so far and a bit surprising as far as the destination. And that is Marcus Simeon going out from Toronto to the Texas Rangers on a seven-year $175 million deal for many Sox Machine offseason plan projects. There were, I thought, really good ideas as far as five-year deals around the $110 million to $125 million range. And unfortunately, all of those ideas fall woefully short on what Marcus Simeon actually signed for. And Beef, I have to say, about 10 days ago, there was this rumor that Marcus Simeon and his new agent, Scott Boris, were seeking a seven-year contract. And I spoke with Fangraphs Dan Zaborski specifically about Simeon on this topic. And he said, yeah, if Simeon wants seven years, I want a pony. Well, Dan Zaborski, <laughs> you may want to buy a pony now <laughs> because Marcus Simeon did get that seven-year deal and Scott Boris strikes again. The contract itself, let's talk about that before the destination. Are you shocked that Marcus Simeon got a seven-year deal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's going to carry him into his age 37, 38, 39 season. I don't know exactly. I know he's 31-ish. Um, you got to really believe in the bat to, to want to do that. Now, he can move down the defensive spectrum and still hit the way he hit. If you believe the way he hit last year is kind of like what it's going to look like going forward. I guess that's a reasonable, uh, you know, amortization of the money out through all those years. You know, maybe uh, that was the only team that was willing to give that that amount, but they want to stretch it out. And he was getting going to get some shorter AAVs potentially. But yeah, I was shocked. I was, I was really surprised, especially uh, uh, someone who, um, you know, he's a good defender, but. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's really a shortstop anymore. Like, uh, you know, so he's already aging down the the defensive spectrum. Yeah, we got this comment from Mitch in our YouTube section. And for those that are listening to the podcast feed, you could always watch Sox Machine live during the stream on YouTube.com slash Sox Machine. Mitch commented that the Rangers are that desperate to give Marcus Simeon seven years. And Terezi, I'll direct that point to you. 
The Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers signed Marcus Simeon to a seven-year contract. Are you surprised about the destination of where Simeon ultimately landed? Yeah, I mean, how could you not be, right? I mean, like, the, because I, we, I was talking with Beef about this just a little while ago. The Rangers are still terrible. Like, they, they got Marcus Simeon, who I think is, is very good. And mm-hmm. right now, I, I'm not even thinking about the seventh year of this contract, right? I'm thinking year one of this contract. He is going to be a massive contributor to this team. And if they go out and get one or two pitchers, like top of the top of the line starting pitchers, they're still not the even close to the best team in this division. So it was it was wild to, for me to to see them start where they started on this uh, kind of on what they're doing, uh, which is I guess trying to build a team from scratch immediately because they had <laughs> like nobody. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you look at that that roster. I think uh, was it like kind of off. Uh, kind of Leffa, I always mess his name up, uh, is is probably the best player on that team right now. And then there's not much else, right? Well, I mean, like Adolis Garcia, right? He had the, a, a monster rookie year. Especially the Texas. first half. The second especially half the first was half. not as good. You know, right. Right. He, he skidded back down to fourth outfielder status in the second half, but still their best outfielder. I mean, he, you know, far yeah. and away. Hey, yeah, when it's... I was there, I saw Mike Fultonevich pitch for the Texas Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have anything. Like Treasy's saying, yeah. uh, Simeon slots in everywhere, and that's why I was saying he can go down the defensive spectrum. There's no one to block him in any of the spots. Like, there's no prospects that are, like, right there already. I mean, it's it's a it's a wild – that's where, where it's a wild spot for him to land because it's like but this, they don't really have anything else. <laughs> this is a problem, though, because you start to look at, at like, when you were going into this offseason – where you thought guys were going to go, which teams you thought were going to try and not try. And now you've got the Rangers, in addition to the Tigers, trying to go out and spend money. And there's only so many players. So it starts the what you were looking at initially and thinking, well, we'll get one of these guys because there's only this many teams that are competing that need a guy at this position. That's gone now. Because the Rangers need every position, and <laughs> and the Tigers need probably you know half the field filled. Uh, so I don't know. I I think this is going to be very problematic. There's other teams too that are, are going to start stepping in and and buying. That's that's not really that's not really good for the Sox. From a White Sox perspective, if Marcus Simeon signed a five-year, hundred twenty-five million dollar contract with the Texas Rangers, I would be upset. Because that should that amount of money and years shouldn't have been a problem for the White Sox. But seven years, $175 million for Marcus Simeon. Like, I understand the White Sox not wanting to commit. I mean, they could have done what they usually do, right? Well, five guaranteed years and then two club options for right. years six and seven. We might be willing to do that might be willing to do that, but for the Texas Rangers to go above and beyond and for a team, as you guys have mentioned, that still feels really far away from challenging the Houston Astros in the American League West, especially in 2022, I have to imagine, Beef, that Texas had no choice but to meet this incredibly high price point for Marcus Simeon if they wanted Simeon to wear their Texas Rangers uniform. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it kind of follows. I think it's Andrew Friedman who said that if you if you follow all your models, you're you're likely to finish third place on every single free agent. And so they kind of had to go way out of the box and say, we're going to mark our territory right here, and we're going to go get a guy. We're going to go spend some money, and we're going to go get a guy, and we're going to start trying to bring some talent in. And, and you know, some of that is like when, when you're bad, you've got to convince other free agents they're going to come. So that yeah. first one's always got to take the more money. I mean, I, I uh, you know, that's the Jason Worth principle, right? With the uh, Nationals <laughs> from back in the day. Same idea. If the team hasn't really done that, you got to go out there and show. And they, and they, they did that. It'll be interesting to see what they f- particularly follow it up with. Because as Treasy said, they got nothing there. So they can go a lot of different directions should they want. Yeah. And for Texas, maybe if things work out for them, they're not done yet. There's already rumors that they're thinking about signing former starting pitcher of the Colorado Rockies, John Gray. 
to add to their starting rotation. And if their younger players get better in a hurry, maybe this signing looks a lot better in 2023 and 2024 if Texas is a much stronger team. I, Looking back, and I, I get it, hindsight is 2020. The White Sox should have blew off the doors for Bryce Harper, right? Because the 2019 Chicago White Sox are almost in the same position that the current Texas Rangers are. And the Texas Rangers just went above and beyond to get what I assume was their number one free agent target. And they got them. And the White Sox, they should have done that for Bryce Harper because we're still talking about the White Sox needing a preferred left-handed hitting right fielder uh, in 2021 and probably beyond. All right, so for the White Sox, Simeon off the board. Eduardo Escobar on Black Friday signs with the New York Mets off the board. Anyone that had the idea of, hey, why don't the White Sox revisit trading for Adam Frazier again like we did last or this past July before the trade deadline, that idea gone as Adam Frazier was traded to the Seattle Mariners. Cherizi, all of a sudden, second base options for the White Sox, now with Simeon signing with Texas, are quickly coming off the board. So the question is that that's on the mind of a lot of White Sox fans, and especially on my mind as well. Uh, what are the White Sox going to do at second base? Yeah, I mean, so when we were coming to the, the trade deadline, you know, there was there was a lot of a lot of smoke around Trevor's story. So I'm wondering mm. if that's someone that they're looking to go after and what the price would be for him. Um, another guy that I was looking at, and I was telling you about this yesterday, is Javi Baez. Now, Javi Baez <laughs> seems to make a lot of sense. The only problem that I have with Javi Baez is that he's also bad against right-handed pitching, which is not a good trait when you're trying to add to this team. Like, that's that's not something that you want to add in there. And he's he's been increasing his strikeout rate which is already a problem with the with the socks so uh i i mean i if they got him tomorrow and he was in the back half of their lineup and playing a really good second base i'm totally fine with that um but i think you're gonna end up if, if you don't get one of those guys like guys like seager and Correa, they're gonna go play shortstop somewhere for a lot of a lot of money right like, <laughs> like money that the socks are not gonna spend on them and then you start getting back into back into old friend territory where it's Cesar Hernandez is probably your best option out there. And it, I mean, like if they end up with Cesar Hernandez and pay more than six million dollars, that's going to be a real problem. Uh, but I mean, like there's the thing is, there's there's a good amount of second basemen still floating out there, guys that can play second base. There's some nasty options that you don't want to get into. Beef is smiling, so he's probably got a few. But Josh, I mean, why don't we just trade for Robinson Cano? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. What a brilliant idea, Treasy. Not only are they handsome, but they are incredibly smart. Beefloaf. All right, over to you as I purposely ignore the Robinson Cano trade idea. You know, I don't know if you guys know this concept from fantasy football, but there's a concept called zero running back. Where you don't draft any running backs and you just sort of let the backup running backs or the low end running backs fall to you. And then you hope to like strike lightning with that. The White Sox, I thought this in my Sox machine offseason plan. The White Sox are going zero second baseman. They're going with a zero <laughs> second baseman strategy. They're going to let whatever falls to them fall to them for a real pr uh, small price. They're p kind of punting the position. And I, I think in a way it makes sense. Like if you're not going to get Marcus Simeon or, or, or some high end option there. I have no problem with them going uh, the pattern of we're going to spend money in the other spots. I'm going to let this one fall to us. Where I disagree with Treasy, the Baez's and the stories are not going to take Eduardo Escobar money. That's where you're going to have sort of a problem there with the mismatch. They're going to want shortstop money. Yes. And if you didn't get Simeon, I don't I don't see them going this way. I think they're going to go zero second baseman. I think in my Sox machine offseason plan, I had like Jonathan VR and and Josh Harrison as yeah. my as my guys that I would combine there. In a way, it makes sense because you've got Jose Rodriguez already at double A, a prospect that they really like who could slot in at second if if he hits. And you have Yobert Sanchez, who's kind of an older prospect, but not Rule 5 uh, eligible just yet. 
who also hit a double A last year and probably going to start the year double A again. So you've got a couple close prospects that could fill, fill that spot in. So I think that, you know, and you got to have some players on the roster that aren't making, you know, a middle-class salary, you know, and if you're going to pay Kendall Graveman $8 million a year and you have to do that every year with the relief pitchers, you got to have somebody slot in. So zero second, zero second base. And, and <laughs> on that point about signing Kendall Graveman, which we are expecting the White Sox to officially announce that signing in the next 24 to 48 hours after Graveman, Passes his physical. The news broke before Thanksgiving. So during the Thanksgiving holiday, Graveman may not have been ready to fly into Chicago for his final physical and then sign the contract and then have his Zoom where he meets the press and then Rick Hahn uh, also meets the press. I'll be real with you guys. That is a very tough pill to swallow if the Chicago White Sox spend more money this offseason on a seventh inning or eighth inning reliever then on second base. However, that is a real possibility, as you both have mentioned, because the way that I stack it for the White Sox right now at the second base position, starting at point number three, is bringing back a Cesar Hernandez or a Lurie Garcia, whoever wants to sign for $5 million or below that amount. Number two, now the top second baseman option in the free agent market is former Los Angeles Dodgers utility man, Chris Taylor. And number one would be the idea of whatever you can get in return for Craig Kimbrell. And I think there's still hope before Wednesday's deadline that the White Sox make some waves trading Craig Kimbrell, possibly to Philadelphia, as the Phillies have some middle infielders to unload. They vary from Gene Segura, who was really good for the Phillies this past year, a 3.7 war player, to guys that may be over the hill and not good anymore. And Didi Gregorius, who was worth negative 0.6 war uh, in 2021. And the bat doesn't look all that great, and he's getting paid $15 million to play baseball, wherever that may be, uh, in 2022. Option four, I guess, is the internal choice of rolling with either a Danny Mendick or Romy Gonzalez to start 2022. It's not a very inspiring choice for the White Sox, but that's kind of how I see the four options right now for the Chicago White Sox at second base. Either they get a second baseman in a return for Craig Kimbrell, they go sign Chris Taylor, and there may be some benefits to that because Taylor can play in the outfield. So if you need someone in right field, Taylor can help you there as well. Bring back either Cesar Hernandez or Lurie Garcia or go with an internal option. Is there any other possibility that I'm missing that's realistic? No offense to the Robinson Gano trade <laughs> idea. Well, I mean, I can't believe you just blew that off. But uh, no, but I mean, I think I think the other the 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 trade option is 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 absolutely something that we we could look at um it could be with the phillies the the problem that they have is that they don't have much leverage in this situation now if the rangers go and sign a bunch of uh relievers that would help but right now they're just signing john gray as we're seeing uh out of the corner of my eye um yeah but the the uh the the problem is we want Segura in that deal. And it's very possible that they're saying, you want Didi Gregorius in this deal. Uh, <laughs> because we don't have to do this. We could go sign uh, Rizal Iglesias or Mark Melanson or someone that's just out there and mm -hmm. not have to give up anybody. So right. why are we why are we giving you a guy who's, who's valuable to us, right? And we could put, I think it's, uh, if you move Didi, you could bring up, uh, was it Stott? Is, yeah, is Bryson there, Stott. That's the, the idea that they, that they want, right? They don't want to move off of second base and move Stott there. They want to move him to shortstop, where right. they where they're paying a guy to suck. So, like, the, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't see that materializing, but a lot of people do. So, I know a lot of people are smarter than me. So I'll let that believe that that's going to happen. Just like I don't see the Mets going. Yeah, we'll give you like a, a even like a Jeff McNeil in a in a trade. Uh, to to give for um, for Kimbrel, so I don't know. I I, I could see him giving Cano, but <laughs> but the the other thing is the other thing is like what 
what Beef was alluding to is like you'd have to. The other option is them paying a lot of money for a guy, which I don't know that we're going to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, yeah, and you guys have alluded to it so far, our podcast listeners. It's about 8.54 p.m. while we are streaming this live on Sox Machine on YouTube.com slash Sox Machine. And thank you to all of those that are watching the live stream right now. Really appreciate it. Uh, two quasi-signings or one now official. John Gray is going to sign with the Texas Rangers for four years, $56 million. That's terrific news if you are Carlos Rodon. For sure. And uh, there is a lot of smoke coming out of Queens right now. Uh, it appears the New York Mets may have a three-year, $120 million deal on the table for Max Scherzer wow. to sign with the New York Mets. And boy... If Jacob DeGrom is healthy and can last an entire season, DeGrom, Scherzer, that is a pretty devastating one-two. That's where we are right now as we stream and record this episode, trying to catch up with the hot stove. We knew it. As soon as we started this show, we just knew there'd be more breaking news, and it it wouldn't surprise me if there's more breaking news, and this just – this feels like a, a bit of deja vu when we are all in a Twitter space on July 30th this past summer right. when all the breaking news was happening. And then all of a sudden we get hit with the Craig Kimbrell trade uh, like 90 minutes before the deadline and uh, everything goes crazy from a White Sox front. But right now, uh, not much is uh, being tweeted about or reported about for the White Sox at the moment. If anything does change while we are in this episode, we will definitely talk about that. Uh, But something that does impact as far as the White Sox slightly uh, is that one of their chief rivals is going to have one of their best players in their uniform for a while, and that is Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is signing a seven-year, $100 million contract to stay with the Minnesota Twins. Beef, I'm I'm a bit surprised because I don't know the direction the Minnesota Twins are going right now. I don't really feel strongly about their team's chances of maybe overtaking the White Sox in 2022. There's a lot that they need to do. They need to fortify the starting pitching. They need a lot of help in the bullpen. Honestly, I'm surprised the Minnesota Twins were not the ones that signed Kendall Graveman to a three-year, $24 million contract. But it seemed to be that whatever they were going to do with Byron Buxton was going to set the table and how they're going to be approaching this upcoming season and maybe even next. After we saw them trade Jose Barreos at the trade deadline, my thought was Byron Buxton's gone. Like, come this offseason, they're going to trade Buxton while he has shown a lot of promise. They can get something great in return uh, because another team's going to want to buy that promise and, and hope to the baseball gods that Buxton is going to be the one to stay healthy for them. But the twins changed their mind. They want to hold on to Buxton. How do you feel about the contract itself? Because this is a guy who I think only one season in in his career so far has played more than a hundred games in a season. And he's signing for a hundred million dollars over the next seven seasons. 
<laughs> in a way, it's a totally insane contract for what you mentioned. But about 20 or 25% of the time, they're going to look like total geniuses when he does find a regiment where he can actually stay healthy and he's like that MVP caliber player for a couple years. I looked at this less as they're trying to compete right this second because of the, the obvious things you mentioned. I took a look at their uh, – I went to roster resource and looked at their starting pitchers. You don't know who half those guys are. I mean, we do because we play against them. But the rest mm-hmm. of the league doesn't know who these guys are, these Bailey Obers and Gr- Griffin Jacks. No one knows Ra- Randy Do- – everyone knows Randy Dobnak drove an Uber. That's all they know about that guy. They, 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 don't, they don't have anything there. I think what this is is like a relative value play. They were probably trying to trade Buxton like you thought. They traded uh, Barrios. So this is like signaling we're going to trade Buxton. Mm-hmm. And then when they went on the market, they didn't get what they thought Buxton was worth. So they thought, well, let's see if we can repaper this. Let's give ourselves more chances to trade Buxton along the way. And who knows? Maybe the kind of the rest of the, the farm will catch up to this at some point, And we don't trade him. And he's a, he's a cornerstone of that next good Twins team. So I don't think it moves the needle for the 2022 Twins at all. But I think it just sort of collects an asset for them that they think is is fairly priced or, or, or possibly they have a nice edge on, in their opinion, if the man could ever stay healthy. So is this bad news for the White Sox, Treasy, that Buxton is going to be with the Minnesota Twins for the next seven seasons as he does have a full no-trade clause? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. The, the thing that I was hoping for in this contract was actually for it to be for a lot more money. Uh, or at least per year, right? Like if this would have been a five-year, $100 million contract for Buxton, I would have liked this a whole lot more because it would have it would have tied their hands more, right? They've got the Donaldson contract and then they've got the Buxton contract. And now if those two combined were, were like really, you know, keeping them from, from doing anything else, I would have really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say that this is going to be a bad thing. I definitely wanted him to leave the division because uh, I don't like the prospect of him being there. Like the like the idea of that, like he has a healthy season and you know hits thirty five home runs from from center field, playing tremendously in the, in the outfield. Like I don't want that in my division. Like I want that in someone else's division if they actually hit that. Um, so I, I think that's problematic, and I think the the fact that it's only going to be like what what is it, like 14 or 15 a year i'm guessing like yep. and they're going to be they're probably backloading some of it um yeah that's that's not going to be that's not going to be great for the next few years because you you've you've locked up a guy that i was kind of counting on being gone uh it also keeps donaldson here because they're obviously trying to trying to compete so they're not going to trade him either i thought i was hoping that like this season would have convinced them to just go like, we got to just scrap what we've got left and just get what we can for it. And they didn't do that. So they're going to be annoying. Even if they're, a, you know, even if they're a 72 win team or something, that's, that's, you know, just strings enough games against us together that it's going to be a problem. Like that's, I don't need more of those teams in the division. I need a bottomed out team so that we could just kick, <laughs> kick the crap out of them all. <laughs> Yeah, the Byron Buxton last year played 61 games. Four and a half war. Four and a half war in 61 games. And how I feel about this from a White Sox fan perspective, because there's a lot of White Sox fans that look at this signing and say, thank you, Twins, for doing this because you're committing $100 million to a player that can't stay healthy and yeah, Buxton does play, but that's a big if. I kind of feel that particular situation is throwing rocks, living in a glass house, knowing that Luis Robert has been very injury prone since he has joined the Chicago White Sox. So that's why I'm not joining that train of thought because I do believe in karma and every White Sox fan that's throwing <laughs> a rock at the Minnesota Twins about Byron Buxton I feel like oh that's gonna totally boomerang and come right back when the White Sox lose Luis Robert for a couple of months again uh, so that's why I try to not speak ill uh, about Byron Buxton because if he's healthy he's a monster he's a monster at, at the pace that he was going if he just played 120 games uh, which is still missing 42 games in a season. That's missing more than a, a month of the regular season. He was going to be a nine-war player. 
He would have been right there with Shohei Otani yeah. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, for the top three in the American League MVP. The American League Central probably looks a lot different if Byron Buxton can play an entire season uh, and cause more headaches for the White Sox. I'm sure the White Sox would have not been as successful against the Minnesota Twins as they were in 2021 uh, if Buxton was available. As a matter of fact, I don't think the White Sox faced Byron Buxton at all uh in 2021 i believe he missed all of the games against the white Sox, so that in itself is a is a huge blessing i think of the world of byron buxton yes there is a aspect of him that he is like mr glass uh, a movie reference for those that have uh seen samuel jackson play that character in the m night Shyamalan movies uh and but it is just one of those things that man if he can play 150 games in a season, is he? can he hit 10 war? Can he do better than Mike Trout? I mean, defensively it's there, and offensively it seems that he has unlocked something where he just is, again, a monster at the plate. He is one scary dude. It's, it is a big if, if he can stay on the field. But if he can, the Minnesota Twins have this unique MVP bonus structure if Buxton finishes between 6th to 10th place in the MVP voting, he gets a $3 million bonus. And he gets an additional million dollars for finishing 5th, 4th, 3rd, 2nd. If Byron Buxton wins the American League MVP, he gets an $8 million bonus. <laughs> we, we need him to get like that Felix Hernandez uh it's like Cy Young. Like we, we need him to be like <laughs> the, the team wins 64 games, but but Buxton uh, wins the MVP. That's gets, that's the optimal scenario for Sox fans. He gets the Andre Dawson MVP. Exactly. <laughs> Last place team. That's right. That's what you want, right, Treasy? <laughs> well, I mean, Shohei Tani just won an MVP for True. the fourth place Angels. Like, yeah, good call. They, they were not going to be threatened at all. Uh, I mean, he was extremely entertaining, but the Angels are way out of the race, what, in June? Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> when when Trout went out, that was really, <laughs> that's they, true. They called the season at that point. Yeah. So again, it's a big if if Byron Buxton can stay healthy. But I do view this signing as one of the teams that I was hoping that would tear it down to make it easier for the White Sox in 2022. The Minnesota Twins may have a change of heart now. We'll see what additional moves they are making, but Byron Buxton is going to stick around in Minneapolis. As a baseball fan, we can now have this conversation, though, and this comparison between Buxton and Luis Robert, at least for the, the next five to six seasons uh, until Luis Robert's contract expires with the White Sox, and maybe there will be a second contract for Robert and the White Sox to continue that conversation. So, as Jim would say, that's fun. Uh, let's talk about old friend here, uh, because while we did speak about second base for the White Sox, the other hole on their roster that needs to be addressed is right field, Treasy. And old friend Avisil Garcia is now going from Milwaukee to Miami as he signed a four-year, $53 million contract with the Miami Marlins. The Marlins were desperate for help in the outfield. They were desperate for another bat. And based on the budget and what they were willing to pay for that type of bat, uh, Starling Marte was too expensive for them, even though they were very interested in bringing back Marte. So they land on Avisil Garcia. How do you like this signing for the White Sox old friend and Avi now joining the Marlins? I mean, I'm happy for Avi. Like, that's, that's great. I mean, like, he's... He's getting like like thirteen between thirteen and fourteen a year. Um, Mark Hanna just got that out in in New York too, right? Like a some very similar uh, deal. I think his was only like a two year deal, but yeah, shorter term. Um, but I think you know, I, I think that's that's great. Like the fact that he has kicked around and and just continued to hit and play enough of a decent outfield that that he's a viable option for these teams uh, is is great and. I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I wasn't terribly interested in him coming here, but I think the the thing about it is you you see those two contracts I mentioned being around like the thirteen million dollar range. You see Marte being like butting right up against like twenty million dollars, 
And then you think, what are the Sox going to do? Because mm-hmm. you you look at the other guys that we're, we're looking at, you know, the Castellanos, Conforto. I mean, you could even throw Chris Bryant in there. Like, they're going to command a ton of money. And are the Sox going to be willing to pay it? And if they're not, beef, you're, we're talking zero right field because there's <laughs> not much after those guys. Like, if right. you look at the free agent list, like, I think the the only guy on the next tier down is Soler. Like, he's kind of by himself on that tier. And then there's, like, the, the guys that you would – that you might, like, platoon, right? Like a, a Jock Peterson or something like that. You know, like, those those guys are after that. And then there's the guys that we picked up off the scrap heap last year. Uh, it, maybe we're looking to do that again. I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, Please no. But I, I, you know, that's the that's where where you're at. Like the middle has been kind of sucked out of there in the past couple days. There's there's not much in that middle tier. Um, so it's the expensive guys, or you're getting down into some stuff that you don't really want to try and work out in in the right field. Yeah, the guys that have not been working out for the White Sox, uh, Jock Peterson. While Dak maybe would have worked better than Adam Eaton, maybe, let's not kid myself, would have worked better than Adam Eaton last year for the White Sox. Maybe he is just a dead cat and doesn't have a bounce back in 2022. Or maybe he's not looking for a platoon situation for playing time. He wants to play full time. Uh, these are some of the unknowns right now as far as the market and right field. But I did want to ask this question, and I'll ask you this question, Beef, about Avi signing with the Marlins and what does that do for the White Sox attacking right field? And as Teresi mentioned, you got Mark Hanna and Avisil Garcia signing for around $13 million. Starlin Marte is going to be playing for around $19 million. We know that the White Sox... Uh, in the past, have had some interest in Nicholas Castellanos, and we are assuming they have some interest in Michael Conforto as they had a one-on-one session with Scott Boris shortly after the GM meetings. With Avi now signing in Miami and knowing what the right field market is going for price-wise, which direction do you see the White Sox going? It's kind of interesting. Uh Avi is, is being sort of this marker, but Avi's almost perfect for Miami in a way. And so I see a reason why he's a little, uh, maybe it paid a little bit of a premium for him there. He's got great straight line speed and out of all the right fielders, and that's a big ballpark to be playing in. He's also not an extreme fly ball guy. So again, it plays into that large ballpark. He's more a little more line drive ground ball than kind of the, the rest of the, the right field core. So maybe he's probably getting a little more than he deserves, than he would deserve in any neutral ballpark. I originally, when I did my Sox machine offseason plan, I, I pegged Conforto for about $16 million AAV. But I'm starting to think he's going to butt up closer to what Starling Marte got. Uh, even though Marte functionally is a center fielder, and that, that's, you know, in, in theory more valuable. And I think, I agree with Terezi, I think Castellanos and some of those other guys who aren't coming off of sort of a, a mediocre season are going to go above uh, the Marte AAV. I don't know what the terms are going to end up looking like there. Right now, you're, you're seeing these outfielders max out at, at four years. But it's also a questionable group. Marte's already going to be going into his year 33 season next year. And then, you know, Avi Garcia's not uh, – he's not on the same level as these guys. So it wouldn't shock me if you if you started seeing five years for some of these guys. I mean, Nicholas Castellano didn't deny his two and 34 thinking he's only going to get, you know, four years at the same AAV. I think he probably – they're probably reading the market that it's going to be more. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how the, the whole thing shakes out. I'd rather be buying the guy that had the mediocre year last year. That's Conforto. Uh, just because I think you'll get a little bit of a discount, but uh, I'd be happy with any of the group. So Teresa, let me pitch you this idea because with Conforto being a Scott Boris client, my gut says we're going to see a Scott Boris type of contract. And what I mean by that is something very similar to what Nicholas Castellanos signed with Cincinnati. It's this five-year deal, but there's a player opt-out after two seasons. And for Michael Conforto, who is coming off a not very good 2021 season, and he's already declined the qualifying offer, could you see the White Sox making that type of signing? knowing that there is a pretty good chance that if Conforto plays really well in 2022 
and in 2023, he could opt out and you're right back in the same position that you were two years prior and still trying to find a long-term solution in right field. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they could, I, I think they would ask for that for sure, because that it makes sense that you're trying to, if you can, if you can get him to have these two great seasons in a row, which he hasn't been able to really string together, then he's going to have a, a brand new market and he, he's going to want to go after that. I could see the Sox doing it too, because the Sox typically don't like to sign long-term deals. They might not even look at it as a bad thing hmm. to say like, after these two years, we don't have to pay him anymore. We could get, we could go get something else or we can, we can maybe develop something in our minor leagues, which is a stretch, but like it, it, it could be, <laughs> it, it could be their thinking there. Um, so I like the fact that the Sox don't like long-term deals uh, for the most part, unless it's, unless it's a very team friendly, you know, young player kind of contract. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. And the, the idea that I had beef loaf was like five years, 18 million per season in which it's, you know, five years, $90 million. That would be the largest free agent contract the Chicago White Sox have ever signed to a player. So Michael Conforto would set a new franchise record for the White Sox. He would have $90 million guaranteed on hand, right? But if he has that player opt out after two seasons, then, you know, from a White Sox perspective, it's like two deals in one. There's a two-year, $36 million contract but after two seasons, if Conforto believes he can do better than three years, 54 million, he's going to opt out and he's going to test free agency again. That's why Nicholas Castellanos is currently a free agent because he was going to get 17 million for the next three seasons with the Reds. And he thinks he can do better than three years, $51 million. I agree with Nicholas Castellanos. I think he will do better than three years, 51 million. So we know what the bar is for any teams that want to clear it and sign Nicholas Castellanos. Do you like that type of contract offering for Conforto? And does it make does it make sense to offer something like that to Conforto? Yeah, I love it. I, I like the idea of, of remaining flexible. I just wonder if Rick Hahn will be upset because he usually likes to hold the pen on who gets the option to do what. And this this will be out of the White Sox control. And and you would only you have you have you enter into some downside risk with these types of deals, right? You lose the upside when the player performs extremely well. But if the payer tails off tanks or whatever you're still holding the bag there so it's got a lot more downside to it uh you know and i expect uh conforto to age well and uh, for that to be fine you know but but if it were you're holding a lot more of the downside so i'm interested i would be interested to see if they'd be willing to take it but i i agree with Treasy. yeah i think they'd like the the parachute out option uh to to reset the payroll at, at that point and when it comes to right field for internal options the two most popular names we hear about is, well, what about Yoki Cespedes and what about Oscar Colas? Let me start with Colas first. The international signing period is not set up until January. If there is a lockout, that is going to be delayed indefinitely until both parties agree upon what they're going to be doing. And newsflash, you could have an international draft. So I don't like Oscar Colossus situation right now for him personally, because he is very much in limbo on how he's going to be playing for a major league baseball team in the near future. Uh, Yoki Cespedes had a 58% ground ball rate and like a 3% walk rate in Birmingham. He needs some more time. And by the time that either Cespedes or Colossus may be ready, we may be done with watching Aloy Jimenez playing left field. And then maybe it's finally time for everybody to admit that Aloy, you should be the DH. Uh, and then, never. then never it, admit that. It, it's good to have options and it's good to have depth. Then who knows? Maybe either Cespedes or Colossus one day could be great uh, trade assets that the, the White Sox can move to enhance uh, as far as the roster. I, I, I view both of them as long-term right field solution. And by long-term, I can't seriously take that into consideration for three more seasons. Like that's why I like the idea that I'm pitching is that it's Boris. Boris signs these types of contracts for his clients all of the time. 
because it gives them the opportunity to retest free agency and gives them an opportunity to make more money. And if the White Sox, let's say they are serious about Yoki Cespedes, they do believe in him. Well, if Conforto takes care of right field for you for two years and opts out, he is doing you a favor if Cespedes proves that he is ready to go. Or if Conforto doesn't decide to opt out because he doesn't think he'll make more money out in free agency, well, you still got left field that you can improve upon defensively and you can always move Yoki Cespedes to left field. That's where his brother played and was pretty darn good for many years in Major League Baseball. So the White Sox would still have options even if they do sign a right fielder to a five-year contract. But we'll see if the White Sox actually do that uh, as, again, activity has been pretty quiet for the White Sox. And this brings me, because uh, we already talked about Kevin Gaussman uh, signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. What is next for the Chicago White Sox? And that's where we're going to end as far as this episode on this question. It is one that we've been asking for a few of our episodes in the month of November. But now I get an opportunity to ask you guys. So, Beef, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to go, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to pivot here. Okay, sounds good. What do you think is the next move by the Chicago White Sox? I mean, if, if I were a betting man, and I am, I don't think it's going to be Craig Kimbrell. I know on the last episode, you you and uh, Jim were saying you think it might be Craig Kimbrell. I, uh, I agree with you from a White Sox perspective. I would like that to be the next thing that they settle because it seems like the most obvious thing, and it's the thing that might be in the way of stuff. But they're, all the leverage is on the other side, as Treasy mentioned. So yeah. you're kind of going to have to wait out the closer market at least a little bit or – give an offer that the other team just can't refuse. Like it's a great offer for them and that they don't even want to have to test the free agent. So I don't think so. I think we might see one more reliever going to the pile before we close out December 1st, some low end reliever. And the reason why is because they just need a lot of help. I saw someone put a, a chart. I think it was from Fangraphs or whatever, noting the, the top end relievers. And they got to like reliever six and there was Jose Ruiz just hanging out there. And nothing against Jose. I love him, but the guy's been unkillable. He's had zero options since I was in high school. I mean, like, and the guy still stays on the roster. So I don't know. I think they just need to keep insulating that bullpen. I think it's, like, the easiest move for them to make and the most obvious one. And so I don't see a position player. I don't see a backup catcher. I would love it if it was a backup catcher, although there's not much out there anymore. Right. I think it ends up being a relief pitcher. All right. So Beef wants the White Sox. or yeah. Beef is thinking the White I'm Sox thinking. are to throw more cash at the bullpen. Uh, which so if they do, <laughs> you kind of no, stole no, my God. answer because I was going to say closer. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> we're we're going to build the entire pitching staff out of closers. <laughs> All closers, yes. So I mean, like, you know, I I I don't know what they're going to do. I think the Kimbrel trade is is got to be close. They got they have to be close on that. But honestly. Like, I'm just going to say what I hope they do. And what I hope they do is go out and sign a right fielder. Because that's the that's the position that gives me the most pause. Like, I feel like you could fill in second base with a defensive first second baseman mm -hmm. and try to improve upon the fact that you do try and throw ground balls in this park when you're not striking people out. So having a good defensive second baseman is valuable and they could do that very cheaply so like that i'm not as concerned about right field is a concern to me because there's not many guys left uh you know i i listed off a few a few people in the comments listed some other good options but that's not a lot of guys for the amount of teams that are more than happy to add a power hitting right right fielder so that is where i'm most concerned so i'm trying to will this to happen <laughs> that they just go out and sign a right fielder in like the next two days so that my brain doesn't explode. And Treasy, before people start going down the path of, well, what about Gavin Sheets? And what about Andrew Vaughn? I remember a game you and I chose to just watch Gavin Sheets play right field for a couple innings. And I hope he wasn't one awaiting, but that's what it looked like to me. It's, it's just not a good situation and, out there. And you know what? You know what, Beef? Here's, here's the thing. Let's say that the future of – uh, for Gavin Sheets and for Andrew Vaughn is to be right fielders. There is nothing wrong with signing a right fielder and letting one of those guys go to the minors and become a good right fielder. Like if they truly want, if that's truly their path, go work on that in the minors. Working on it on a team that's trying to win a division is not 
and trying to win playoff games, not where you want to work on that. There shouldn't be anyone working shit out in in the majors right now. Like that's uh, sorry, I, I I finally swore, but uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fifty-two but, minutes in, baby. But I don't I don't think that that's like I, I don't think that's what you want, right? I mean, I'm fine if if they end up on the team to be backups and and DH and whatnot, and, and let's see those bats come through. I'm I'm okay with that, but we should not be depending on these guys. We shouldn't be putting it on them to say, go out there and be, be a, a right fielder, go play right field in Kaufman park. Like that. We shouldn't be asking them to do that. That's a, that's ridiculous. So like go sign a right fielder. No, you, you make a really good point. Treasy. You really do about the white Sox right field situation uh, to borrow uh, a catchphrase from beef loaf. I wrote a blog about that. Uh, <laughs> On my birthday, like I had two birthday wishes. The White Sox go sign Marcus Simeon and for the love of God, please figure out right field. They're not delivering Marcus Simeon, but I would still take someone that will help right field in which I still feel like they're trying to find the long-term solution to Maglio or Dornas who left the White Sox in 2004. Oh man, just, just brutal for the White Sox, but you make it such an excellent point because Rick Hahn in his off season press conference said that while there was reasons to be happy about this season, the season was not an overall success because they did not win the world series as a franchise. If your determination, if you had a good season or not is pass fail, we win the world series or we do not. If we win the world series, we passed. If we did not, we fail. You cannot roll into a 2022 season with these internal options and pray to the baseball gods that you strike lucky again like you did in 2021. It's just too much to ask for players to play out of position or for guys like Danny Mendick and Romy Gonzalez that may be way over their head trying to figure out how to hit Major League Pitching. It's just too much to ask out of those two positions, everyday positions heading to 2022. So if they only have the resources, money, trade assets, et cetera, to figure out one of these positions at this point with the way that free agency has shaken out, I would like the White Sox to spend those resources in right field. And at this moment, it feels like it's Michael Conforto Nicholas Castellanos or bust. And if Conforto or Castellanos don't sign with the White Sox before Wednesday, they sign with another team. I mean, Rick Khan's going to be the ant with the magnifying glass and <laughs> it's in the middle of the day and the sun is just burning his back. Everyone asking, what are you doing? And then of course you'd sign. I'm reinforcing the bullpen. Because uh, <laughs> yep. we, everybody, I don't know, maybe we're not seeing the same thing that the White Sox front office is uh, from the current Chicago White Sox. But it, so much has happened. By the time the majority of podcast listeners get a chance to listen to this episode, I'm expecting other big free agents to sign. So we're going to end this episode at 9.26 p.m. Central Time on November 28th. I'm giving you that timestamp, podcast listeners, so you can laugh at us when other marquee free agents sign. <laughs> or maybe the White Sox do sign Michael Conforto, and I got another podcast episode coming your way. Uh, that would be wonderful as I try to speak that into existence. But I really appreciate our friends jumping in and helping me out record this podcast episode Beef Loaf and Cherizi. Again, you could follow our friends at From the 108 on Twitter, and you could read and listen to their excellent work at FromThe108.com and subscribe to their YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash FromThe108. Beef Loaf, Cherizi, thank you guys so much for hopping on. Oh, thanks for having us, man. Thanks, Josh. A lot of Appreciate fun. you, brother. And for those that have just discovered the Sox Machine podcast or the YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sox Machine, if you enjoy our work and want more, you can support us at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where our Patreon supporters get uh, additional content, exclusive content, and ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website with monthly plans starting at $2 a month. And we now have annual plans that save you 9% from the monthly plans. 
So again, if you enjoy our work and want more, go to patreon.com slash machine and sign up today. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at SocksMachine. You can follow me on Twitter at SocksMachine underscore Josh. And you can subscribe to the Socks Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Socks Machine Live is a production of SocksMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Beefloaf and Cherizi, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.